The Lord sent his great messenger Elijah to anoint a prophet to follow him. God chose someone ordinary. Elijah found Elisha, a nobody, plowing his father's field. And what was Elisha's response? He burned his plow and left everything he knew to answer God's call. Elisha, a tale of ridiculous faith. Morning. Take out your Bibles this morning. Turn to 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings chapter 19. Thanks for being with us in our 930 service this morning. I'm excited to tell you guys. Um, we had over our almost 300 people at our 8 o'clock service this morning. So can we celebrate that? 300 people. And our auditorium seats 600. So there's plenty of room. So how many of you guys were up at least by 7 o'clock this morning? You were up at 7? Okay, we're looking for you guys at the 8 o'clock service next week. Help us out. Really, it is a missional opportunity. If you can come to our 8 o'clock service, it frees up seats for the 9, 30, and 11. Because as you can see, we're starting to fill up very quickly as school is about to start and things like that. So but we're glad you guys are here today. I'm super excited. We're starting a brand new four-week series this morning called Elisha, A Tale of Ridiculous Faith. Let me ask you by a show of hands, how many of you guys could use a little more faith in your life. Use a little more faith, okay? Put them down. How many of you would not only like to have a little more faith, but you'd like to experience some ridiculous faith in your life? Yeah, ridiculous faith. Now, when we talk about ridiculous faith, we use that word ridiculous. It's one of those words that kind of has like opposite meanings. It's kind of like the word bad. You know, bad can mean, oh, that's bad. Or it can mean, no, that's bad. You know, or sick. You know, sick used to mean, you know, oh, they're sick. They don't feel good. Now today, sick is like, ooh, that's sick. You know, that's, that's good. So that ridiculous is kind of that way. You know, it could, used to ridiculous was like, that's ridiculous. That could never happen. But now it's like ridiculous. So we want to have ridiculous faith. Amen, church? Individually and corporately. So we're going to be diving into the story about the Old Testament prophet Elisha. Let me give you a little context. This takes place about the 9th century B.C., about 800 years before Christ. During this time, God's people, Israel, was in turmoil. It was a divided kingdom. They had fallen away from God, many of them. They were worshiping, worshiping false idols and the prophet, you know, the Baal and things like that. And so God is sending these prophets to get them back in line with God's word. Prophets in the Old Testament were God's spokesmen for God. And so they were getting people back on track. Now, when we talk about the man named Elisha, a lot of people get confused. Elisha with another prophet, and his name is Elijah. There's Elijah and there's Elisha. Now, this is how I helped me remember which one came first, Elijah or Elisha. J comes before S. So maybe that'll help some of you guys too. First, there was Elijah, the great prophet, and then he discipled and mentored a prophet named Elisha. And when Elijah started discipling and mentoring Elisha, Elisha asked Elijah for a double portion of his blessing. And what we see in scriptures, what we read about Elisha, there's more recorded miracles uh, in the prophet Elisha than anyone in the Bible except for Jesus. I mean, there's all these miracles that the prophet Elisha performed. Um, he divided the Jordan. He raised people from the dead. He made an axe head flow. We're going to look at that story in the next couple of weeks. He purified poison stew. All these amazing miracles. But what you need to know about Elisha is this. We sometimes read about these heroes of the faith. and We go, wow, you know, what, how amazing would it be to be a guy? like Elisha, but he started out as a normal, ordinary guy, just like you and I. He was just an ordinary guy, but God made him extraordinary because of his ridiculous faith. He, when we meet him, as we're going to see today, he's working on his family farm. I don't know how you guys maybe grew up on a farm. Elisha grew up on a farm. He, he's working on the family's farm when Elijah the prophet 
God uses him to call him to a ridiculous step of faith and into ministry to follow God. Now, let me tell you where we're going in this series uh, before we jump into this week. Next week, we're going to talk about God stretching our faith because many times the problem is we don't think big enough. You know, we only put God in a box in our human minds. We're going to talk about God stretching us to a ridiculous faith. And we got to start small, and then we'll see God do big things through a story where there were some men that needed desperately some water. And, and God, through the prophet Elisha, said, well, dig some ditches. You know, you dig the ditches, start small, and God will miraculously bring the water. And he's going to stretch our faith in, in a huge way next week. The, the third week, we're going to see a widow who is facing desperate, helpless, hopeless times. She's about to leave, lose her sons. I don't know, have you, any of you ever been at a time in your life you felt kind of helpless? You felt kind of hopeless? You had no idea how am I going to make it another day? Well, that's going to be the story of this widow. And what we're going to see is God is going to show her she has everything she needs to take a step of faith and see God do something miraculous. And then we're going to close out the fourth week where we see uh, guys chopping on some wood and this axe head falls into a body of water and it obviously sinks. But then Elisha miraculously causes the axe head to float and we're going to learn about how to get our spiritual edge back. You know, maybe there was a time in your life you were, man, you were on fire for God. You were close to God. You were serving God. But maybe you've lost your spiritual edge. We're going to learn in faith how to get our spiritual edge back. But today, we're going to talk about how to get your call on. A ridiculous commitment that we see in the life of Elisha when Elijah shows up and he gets this amazing call from God. So let's jump into it in 1 Kings chapter 19, beginning in verse 19. 1 Kings 19, 19, we're going to look at uh, through verse 21 here, and then we're going to talk about the story today. So it says, so he departed, the he there is Elijah, that first prophet. So he departed from there, and he found who? Church, help me out. Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen before him, and he was with the 12th. There he is. He's working on the family farm when Elijah shows up. Then Elijah passed by him, and he threw his mantle on him. We'll talk about that. And he left the oxen, and he, he did what? He ran after Elijah and said, Please let me kiss my father and mother, and then I'll do what? I'll, I'll follow you. I'll follow God's call in my life. And he said to him, Go back again, for what have I done to you? Yeah, go ahead and kiss your mom and dad first. So Elisha turned back from him. He, now, this is crazy. So Elisha turned back from him. He took a yoke of the oxen and he slaughtered them. He killed some cows and he boiled their flesh using the oxen equipment and he gave it to the people and they ate. He killed some cows and he burned some plows. And then he arose and he followed Elisha and he became his servant. All in a moment's time. Total direction change of his life. Turn to the person next to you and say, that's a ridiculous story. Now turn to the person on the other side, your second choice, and say, that's a ridiculous story. I mean, what is up with this guy killing the cows and burning the plows? Well, let's, let's break this down a little bit. As we look in verse 19, it says, Elisha was plowing with the 12th a yoke of oxen before him, and he was with the 12th. I mean, what is he doing? He's working on the family farm. This was probably hard. This was probably boring. This was monotonous. This is what he had done day after day after day. So what is he seeing and smelling every day as he goes to work? Oxen rears, oxen behind. You may think it's bad at your workplace in your cubicle or your office. Maybe you don't feel like you've got the best view. Let me give you just an example. This was Elisha's daily view from his office. It looked something like this. That was his daily view. So 
Maybe your office view isn't as bad. You know, as you look out your window or the person next to you in the cubicle. And so, I mean, this is what he did day after day, month after month, year after year. And, and maybe you, you feel like Elisha may have felt at this time. You know, you're doing the same thing day after day, the same job, the same stuff. Maybe you're in sales and you got that quota to meet and you work hard all month. You meet your quota and it starts all over again and you meet your quota. Maybe you're a student you're going to school and you feel like, man, all I do is I go to school, I study, I take a test. I go to school, I study, I take a test. Uh, Maybe you go to the same job. Maybe some of you, you've been working at the same job for 15, 20, 30 years. Same job, same thing, same cubicle, and it can become a little boring. It can become a little bit monotonous day after day. For parents that are here, especially stay-at-home moms that have little ones, you know, you may feel like, man, every day I get up and it's the same thing. You know, I, it's, it's doing the dishes, it's doing the laundry, it's vacuuming, it's looking at babies' rears all day, every day. Can I have an amen, uh, moms? And you feel like it's the same thing every day. And what we see is it's incredibly easy to lose your passion when you're just staring at oxen or ears day after day after day. But don't miss this. Elisha is being faithful in what God had called him to do at that moment. He was faithful in the task at hand, serving on his family farm. And remember what Jesus said, if you're faithful over a few things, the little things, then God will trust you with what? Bigger things, more things. That's what we're going to see take place in this story. So be faithful until God calls. And God is about to call Elisha to a ridiculous place of faith and impact in the nation of Israel. And I'll look at verse 19. It says at the end of the verse, Then Elijah passed by him, by Elisha, and he threw his mantle on him. Now don't think like the mantle on your fireplace. Different kind of mantle. This was, the mantle was like his covering. Uh, it was probably made out of animal skin and animal hair. And, and the prophet wore this. And when he took it off and he put it on Elisha, it was symbolic. He was saying, that which covered me is now covering you. In the same way that God has used me as a prophet, now God is going to use you as a prophet. It was a passing of the torch spiritually and calling him in to ministry. And what God was calling him to do to take a ridiculous step of faith. So so I want us to apply this story to all of our lives today so we can experience not just faith, but a ridiculous faith that begins with a ridiculous commitment. So I hope you'll take some notes. We look at two things very simply today. First is this, two principles of ridiculous commitment. Number one, you have in your notes, you don't have to understand fully to obey immediately. Let's just say that together, church. You don't have to understand fully to obey immediately. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cut you some slack because some of y'all were writing. But let's say it together, church, all 600 of us. You don't have to understand fully to obey immediately. And that's exactly what we see happen here with Elisha. He gets this call in his life. And look at verse 20. And it says he left the oxen, what he had been doing, and he ran after Elijah. He, he stopped everything. Notice, he didn't stop and say, well, hey, I got to pray about it. There's some things you don't have to pray about. Ooh, did a pastor just say that? You know, you don't have to pray about sharing your faith. God's already told us to share our faith. You don't have to pray about, should I pray or not? You don't have to pray about, should I serve God or not? Should I make disciples or not? Should I uh, tithe or give or not? We don't have to pray about some things. If God's already told us in his word, we just do them. Amen. And, and, and maybe Elisha had been praying, God, I want you to use me. I know, I, I see Elijah and how you've used him as a prophet. And he was ready and he was prepared. So when God called, boom, he immediately answered. 
He said, I may not understand fully, but I'm going to obey immediately. He didn't make a list of the pros and cons. Well, here's all the reasons I should become a prophet. Here's all the reasons I shouldn't. He didn't, you know, go talk to his counselor first. He didn't ask Elijah, well, what's the pay? You know, what's the salary? I mean, he just said, I believe this is of God. This is God's man. This is God's timing. I'm in. I trust you. I trust God. This is God's call in my life. And he jumped in. He said, I don't have to understand fully to obey immediately. What a great lesson for all of us this morning. You know, it reminds me, this isn't the first time or the last time where you see someone step out in ridiculous faith in the Bible. And they didn't understand fully, but they obeyed immediately. Remember one day Jesus is walking on the seashore and there's some fishermen out on a boat and they've been fishing all night. They hadn't caught anything and they come in and Jesus says, go back out again. And now it's daytime, bad time to fish. And usually you fish in the shallows. He said, launch out into the deep. Nothing made sense humanly, but they listened. They did what Jesus said. They obeyed and their nets was overflowing with fish. And then Jesus said to what would become the disciples, some of the disciples, he said, listen, from now on, you're not going to be fishers of fish. I'm going to make you fishers of men. And they had a choice. God was calling them. Jesus was calling them. But they had a choice. Are we going to follow? Are we going to take a step of ridiculous faith? And Matthew 4.22, look what it says, how they responded. Help me out, church. They immediately followed him, leaving the boat and their father, their family behind. They didn't understand fully, but yet they took a step of obedience immediately. You know, as, as, as a church leader, as a pastor, um, I love strategic planning. And we're always trying to plan 12 to 18 months out for Orchard Church and where we believe God is, is guiding us and leading us. And I think you guys know this. We don't just fly by the seat of our pants. And we, you know, we plan out our series and we plan out you know, how God is leading. And, and I think that's good and that's important. But we also want to make sure this is a great leadership principle that we, we build some margin into our lives. And we build some margin into our staff size and margin into our finances because we're not smart enough to see the opportunities that God might bring tomorrow. Or the next month or the next day. And so we want to be able to respond immediately when God gives us an opportunity as a church. Amen? And so that, that's one reason why when God opened the door that, that we were surprised by to buy the land next door, $1.8 million, we had been saving and putting it away for 10 years. And then when God gave us that opportunity, we were able to respond immediately. And take advantage of that. And how exciting that's going to be as we begin to build our, our new building. You know, when we believed that God was calling us, Shelly and I, to plant a church... We didn't know where, we didn't know how, we didn't exactly know when, but we were praying and we were just trying to get ourselves in a position and a posture of spiritual readiness so that God, when you call, we're going to obey. And we tried to prepare, you know, financially and with our house and things like that. And when God called us to Denver to plant Orchard Church 10 years ago, we didn't understand fully a whole lot of things, but we obeyed immediately. We had a house at that time. Uh, we were living in Pueblo. We, 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 we got to sell the house. We couldn't get the house sold. And we faced a step of faith. Are we going to trust God in what he's saying to do? Or are we going to wait till we sell the house? Did you know to this day we still own that house? If you know anybody looking for a nice house in Pueblo, <laughs> I'll give you a good deal. And we said, you know what? We're not going to let a possession and a house keep us from doing what God is calling us to do. And God has taken care of us. And God has provided. You don't have to understand fully to obey immediately. And I would challenge you, church, all of us, the challenge is this, to get ourselves in a position and a posture of spiritual readiness so that like Elisha, when God calls, we can, we can respond immediately, even though we may not understand fully. Have you ever noticed when God calls us to take ridiculous steps of faith, 
He's often intentionally vague about the details. You know, and I think one reason why is because God's like, you can't handle the details. You know, I know 10 years ago, if God would give me all the details of what we'd be dealing with with Orchard Church now, I might not have taken that step of faith. We had no idea. He, and that's why it's a step of faith. Because he doesn't give you all the details. He just, many times, you know what God does? He gets, just gives you one word. One word, one step. Just take this next step on this word. Remember Moses? When God called Moses to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt, he gave him one word. Go. But, but, go. And he responded to that one word. And God did miraculous things. Remember one day, uh, the disciples are in a boat. And Jesus comes walking on the water. And Peter's in the boat. And he sees what he thinks is Jesus. Like, Jesus, is that you? Like, who else would it be walking on the water? And he's like, yeah, it's me. And then I, I, Jesus says, yeah. And he's like, is it really you? Yes, it's really me. And he's like, well, I want to walk on the water. And he just gave him one word that caused him to take a step of faith out of that boat. Come. Come. One word. Sometimes God will just give us one word, one step that begins a journey of ridiculous faith. For some of you this morning, I don't know how this is going to speak to you, but maybe in your marriage it's, it's struggling. Maybe it's not going well. And maybe you're on the brink of just calling it quits and God is going to give you one word of faith. Stay. Stay. Some of you, you've been coming to Orchard Church and praise God you're here and you've been attending and enjoying the services, but, but you're not serving yet. You're not in a small group yet. You're not in discipleship yet. And God just says, commit. Commit. We're getting ready to start our small groups here in a couple of weeks. It's, it's the way to get connected in relationships here at Orchard Church. And God is going to give you one word, join. And you're going to have a hundred excuses why not to. And God's just going to say, join. God's going to challenge some of you to be generous or more generous than you've been. One word, give. Um, God is going to, for some of you, maybe you're struggling with your health. And God is going to use one word to encourage you. Trust. Trust. Maybe you've been wanting children. You haven't been able to have children. And God's going to give you one word, adopt. Well, foreign or domestic, just adopt. I'll, I'll work out the details. Maybe you've got a business idea. You feel like God is leading you to, to do something. And God's going to give you one word, start. Some of you, maybe, maybe you're, you're single and you're dating someone. And they're a fixer-upper. They're a loser. They're a jerk. And God is going to give you one word of faith. Break up with the jerk. Okay, that's five, but... Maybe you need that kind of language you, because you don't have to understand fully to obey immediately. And I want to share a, a couple of different people in our church, their testimony, how God called them to a ridiculous step of faith during a difficult time. Hi, my name is Jen. I was starting to see a lot of my friends and um, Loved ones getting engaged, getting married. It felt like the girl that was always the bridesmaid and never the bride. So it was one of those things that I kind of dated a good guy who would probably consider himself a Christian, but um, didn't really live it out in his life and obviously didn't have a personal relationship with the Lord. And um, I just would always pray that it would just kind of click and that God would use me as a witness to him. And um, it was just kind of rough being in the dating scene. You hear a lot of people try to um, date Christians and a lot of people can call themselves Christians and not, not really have a relationship with the Lord, so. My name is Tim. My wife was 32 years old when she passed away. 
was married for just about 10 years and uh, second reoccurrence of cancer came and actually took uh, my wife's life and we have a little you know, five-year-old boy, Ian, and uh, definitely a very challenging time in life. And um, it was one of those you know, moments though that throughout that entire process um, found this peace from within that was just not, it's not beyond my own understanding. Um, and finding a way to be able to move through this in a way that <clears throat> God gave us a, a tremendous amount of peace and, and healing and and the tendency to sometimes blame God when things go tough in, in life and, and aren't the way that we want them to be. So I was in a four-year relationship with a man who was not a believer um, and I knew God called me to something bigger than that but I kept praying that um, I was with my future husband and one day God literally just woke me up and said this is not what I intended for you and he actually gave me the words to break up with him and walk away from that relationship which was probably one of the most difficult decisions I've ever made so after saying goodbye to that relationship that was I felt it was holding me back from really pursuing my relationship with the Lord. Um, I actually was just listening to worship music like the next day and I could feel the Holy Spirit again. And it was awesome. And just from that point forward, being able to wholeheartedly pursue the Lord um, was just an amazing feeling again. Um, and it's, it's one that I would never change, even though it was really, really hard to go through. I would never, um, in my wildest dreams, imagine the greatness that God has in store for me and had in store for me back so then. So when she passed away, you know, it's a very challenging thing to try to understand what comes next, what life is supposed to look like. You know, as a you know, single father now, um, you know, after being married for so many years and now thinking about what's next and how does this look and you know, what does it look like for me to raise this you know, little boy by myself and what does God desire for us in the future and um, you, know, you know God what, what's coming what's next and having faith knowing that God is always good and that he blessed us so tremendously even through such an unfortunate situation. I believe with all my heart that God beginning today and through this series is going to call some of us to a ridiculous faith. A, a place where we say, I don't have to understand fully to obey immediately. Let's look at another principle in the story. Number two, not only do you not have to understand fully to obey immediately, but number two, those God uses the most are the ones who hold on to the least. Those who God uses the most are those who hold on to the least. Look at verse 21 in our story. And this is where it gets ridiculous. So Elisha, after this call from God, Elisha turned back from him and he took a yoke of oxen and he slaughtered them. He killed the cows he'd been using to plow and he boiled their flesh using the oxen equipment, the plows, and he gave it to the people and they ate. I mean, this is crazy. Elisha kills the cows and he burns the plows in order to follow God. He has a little barbecue, and he, and he feeds steaks to his friends and his family. And he's like, I, I, I'm doing this for God. 
Now, now this, this was, don't forget, this was his livelihood. This is what he'd been doing on his family farm. This seems ridiculous. This would be like a mechanic taking his tools and just throwing them into a lake. Or a truck driver burning his truck, you know, that's his livelihood. Or, or a musician that has instruments and just smashing those. Now, why did Elisha do this? Why did he kill the cows and burn the plows and, and, and turn it into stakes? Why did he do this? Here's why. Don't miss this, church. Because at this point, Elisha had a call in his life and he was going to step out in ridiculous faith. And here's what he was saying. Following God and his call in my life is plan A. And there is no plan B. Does that, does that encourage anybody or challenge anybody this morning? Following God is plan A and, my call, and his call in my life. And there is no plan B. Because those who God uses the most are those who hang on to the least. And he said, I'm killing the cows and I'm burning the plows and I'm not looking back. I'm following God on this journey of ridiculous faith. It kind of reminds me of your history buff. Remember Cortez when he brought 600 men to the new world? And he told them, burn the ships. We're not going back. We're not going to burn back. I read this this week, and it's such a great statement. Retreat is easy when you have the option, isn't it? Retreat is easy when you have the option. And Elisha said, I'm going, to, I'm going to kill the cows and burn the plows. I'm going to leave no options except to follow God on this ridiculous faith journey. And let me just, just say this on the side, because we've seen something really encouraging um, that has happened this summer here at Orchard Church. Some of you remember in the spring we did a series from the book of Song of Solomon called God's Not Gray. And in that series we talked about, you know, honoring God um, in our marriage and before we're married, you know, waiting to marriage to be intimate. And, and we had four couples in our church that said, you know, we've been living together, some of them for a couple of years, some of them for many years. And they said, you know what, we have been kind of leaving our options open. We're not married, we've just been living together, but we're tired of not honoring God. Plan A is to honor God. And we've done four weddings this summer of people who said, we're going to put God first and honor God. Can we praise God for that? They said, that's plan A. There's no plan B. We're not leaving our options open. And that's exactly what Elisha did. He kills the cows. He burns the plows. And then the end of verse 21 says, And then he arose and he followed Elijah and became his servant. And he became a prophet of God. You know, I, I'm a human being. And as a dad, if, if one of my kids came to me and wanted to do this, I'd probably be like, hey, listen, you know, Caleb, it's awesome. You know, Caleb, you want to serve God. You want to follow God. But, you know, it's, it's okay to keep your options open. You know, you don't have to burn the plows and kill the cows to follow God. But that, I mean, that's why this, this is a ridiculous step of faith. He's like, this is plan A. There is no plan B. But it's not the last time you see this happen throughout the Bible. You see people that are called by God and they leave everything to follow God on this ridiculous journey of faith. I take you back again to the disciples when Jesus called them that day. It says in Luke chapter 5 verse 10, they, they had a decision to make. Jesus replied to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left, say it church, everything. And they followed him. They obeyed immediately and they left everything. That's a plow burning type of faith. And God may be calling some of you, some of us, to a, a plow burning type of faith. To where you kill the cows and you burn the plows in order to follow God. Where God does something so miraculous in your life. You say, I cannot ever go back because I'm going forward to follow God. Amen? I mean, that's where we see some miraculous things take place. 
Now, now let, me, let me warn you, though, as I say this, let me give you a little, a little warning. Before you start taking these miraculous steps of faith, you better make sure it's of God. We're not talking about an emotional decision. We're not talking about just based upon feeling. Some people say, well, this is what my heart's telling me. Don't follow your heart. The Bible says our heart is deceitful and wicked, and it will lead us astray. This has got to be a, a clear call from God that we know that God is confirming. It's not just some feeling. That feeling may be indigestion from bad pizza the night before. All right, Are you all with me? If, if you're with me, say yes. We're talking about a true call of God. You, you say, well, how do you know? Here are some things that God has used in my life whenever he's confirmed his call on my life and steps of faith. He always uses his spirit and his word. God never is going to call you to something that violates the word of God. It will not happen. If you feel like God's calling you to something and it violates the word of God, that's not God. It, God uses his spirit. He uses his word. He gives you peace about the decision, a supernatural peace. He, he uses counsel of other godly people. He, I believe he even uses church leaders, circumstances, open and closed doors, all those working together so that we know that it's, a, it's, not, a, it's not a blind leap of faith. It's a, it's, a, it's a step of faith based upon God's calling and leading from the word of God. So don't, I don't want any of you all to go into your job tomorrow and walk in and say, I quit and burn the place down. That's not the kind of faith we're talking about here, all right? But, but there are some people that God calls to a plow-burning type of faith. I, I, I know of one family. I heard about one family. And, and this isn't for everybody, but this is, this is just their story. They were in their church serving God faithfully about eight months of the year. Every time the doors were open, they were there and they were serving. They were involved in small group. But about May to September every year, they would completely disappear. Nobody could see them. No, no, they were nowhere to be found. Because they had a, a really nice boat and they would go to the lake. Now listen, I'm not against boats. I have a little boat. I'm not against lakes. If you have a nice boat and a lake, invite your pastor to go sometime fishing or skiing. I like those things. But for this family, it was like clockwork. Every summer they would just disappear. And one day their nine-year-old daughter said to their father, Daddy, ask this question. Daddy, how come we love God and serve God eight months out of the year? But in the summer, we don't love God and we don't serve God. That was her question. Now, that's convicting, isn't it? Now, this isn't for everybody, but you know, for in that man's life, God called him to take a ridiculous step of faith. He came home that weekend and he sold the boat. And he said, you know, maybe we'll get another one at some time when we get this more in balance. But this is standing in the way of us following God and serving God as a family. I know men who've done some ridiculous things to stay away from pornography. They've gotten rid of the computers or they've, they've put programs on there. I know guys that have just a little simple flip flown, you know, that you don't get any pictures just so they can honor God and they burn some plows. You know, right here at Orchard Church, as we've grown, we've had to add people to our staff. And you may not know this, but a lot of the people we've added to our leadership team that is now in the ministry here at Orchard Church have left uh, the secular jobs, they've left corporate jobs, they've left careers, they've given up large salaries and taken less to join God in his work here at Orchard Church, and they've burned some plows to follow God. And can we thank God for their step of faith? It's amazing. And the reason is because those who God uses the most hang on to the least. Let me show you what I'm talking about. Hi, my name is Jen. My name is Tim. We uh, originally connected first online on October 17th of 2014, and we were married July 17th, 2015 of this year. 
So we met in online dating. It actually works um, for some people sometimes. And for us, it really was the tool that God used to, to bring us together. Because um, I don't know that we would have ever met otherwise. Um, and so we talked a little bit and then finally decided one day we were thinking, I was thinking about her and she shared that she was thinking about me. And we started talking um, a little bit and decided just to meet for a date. And, and kind of went from there. And from that point forward, it was it was pretty, it was pretty fast um, just talking. and watching um, several blessings and confirmations from God um, all along the process, um, showing us that we were meant to um, ultimately marry and, and be together. Mm -hmm. I started having um, dreams about my future husband. God was giving me dreams a couple years ago um, about who this man I'm intended to marry was gonna be. and. Um, that was one of those confirmations that God just plainly said, this is him. This is him. So I think that's one of the things that was the moment that I knew I was intended to marry to. Yeah. So having faith in God, you know, throughout this entire process, what, what this has all looked like and not knowing what was next, what was coming, but seeing the, the beautiful story that has come um, out of you know just hard times for, for both of us and you know uh, different um, but you know knowing and, and seeing now a little clearer what this looks like kind of looking back and just you know so wonderful it, it gives you this place of just um, you feel warmth um, you feel his presence and knowing that you're moving in a way that is pleasing and we still don't know what the future looks like for us and it's about faith though about where, where, where are we going and why were we brought together and why is this important and we, we think we have some ideas but we try not to think too much and just rest in you know what he has planned for us I think for me my faith was stretched and strengthened a lot through this whole journey and um, I can actually look back and see God preparing me for this relationship and preparing me to be a mom and a wife and um, it's amazing to see how God was just molding my heart um, even though I had no idea what that looked like and to see what God's plan was all along is beautiful and um, there were days that I was just like okay I gotta just keep trusting just keep trusting God and there were some hard days and there were some not so fun dates and <laughs> but all in all it was totally worth it to see God molding this relationship years in the making when you're faced with where God's pulling you or, or, or tugging you and you know it's something that's rested on your heart you know they're they're difficult things most of the time and um, you know that's, that's the challenge and it's, you know it's deciding that God's worth it and um, it's worth being uncomfortable and it's worth uh, putting your toe in, you know, out there for something that may be new or different or hard or um, any of those things and knowing that even through what could be the worst of the worst situations that um, when you listen to God and you lean closer and you trust him with faith that um, he ultimately pulls you through and you know, gets you to the a place where he wants you to be. For anyone that's, um, you're getting pulled or tugged on by God, um, it's definitely for a reason. 
and you can't ignore it. And if you choose to ignore it, it's not going to go away. So it's better to follow God's will and take that leap of faith rather than living with this tug on your heart. Um, I truly believe that God wants us to have greatness. And so if we're ignoring his call and his will for us, um, we're saying that our will is more important than God's will. And um, it's not true. God has nothing but the best in store for you. So even though it might be hard and uncomfortable, lean on God, trust in him, put your faith in him, and he will lead you through. Amen. I want to thank Tim and Jen for sharing their story. They're in this service with us this morning. And what an incredible story of their faith and what God is doing. And I believe that for some of you, God wants you to have that kind of story. There's some kind of plow burning faith that he wants you to exhibit. And I would ask you this morning, is there a... Is there a plow you need to burn. Maybe there's a sin that's holding you back from fully following God. and you want to, You're going to need to burn that plow. Maybe it's a doubt that's holding you back and you need to burn that plow. Maybe there's a possession that's getting in between you and fully serving God. Then you've you got to burn that plow. Maybe there's a hobby that's taking you away from serving God. Burn that plow. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe there, there's someone in your life that's holding you back from fully surrendering and following God. We want to have ridiculous faith. We've got to burn that plow. And for a lot of us it's just our own insecurity we're just insecure and we're afraid to take that step of faith and we've got to burn that plow step out in faith and follow God I don't know how many of you guys your kids growing up had a little blankie you know how many of your kids had a little blankie we call them a security blanket um, I thought for sure at one point that Caleb was going to be taking his to college with him uh, we didn't know if we were ever going to get it away from him but we finally did but a lot of adults are that way they, they've got something they're holding on to like it's my little blankie and they won't let go of that, that blanket so they can fully experience all that God wants to do in and, and through them. And you, some things you just got to let go of so God can take you to the place he wants to take you. Let it go. Let it go. Let, okay, sorry. Just let go. You have this in your notes. For some of you, you got to take a step. To take a step toward your destiny, you got to step away from your security. To take a step toward your destiny and what God is, has and is calling you to, you've got to step away from your, your security. And I believe God is calling some of us to a ridiculous faith where we're not just looking at oxen rears all the time and the same old thing, but God's got something special. God's got something new. God's got something exciting and God's got something amazing. And we understand like Elisha to have ridiculous faith. You don't have to understand fully to obey immediately. And those who God uses the most hold on to the least. And it leads to ridiculous commitment and ridiculous faith. Father, thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for the story of Elisha. May it challenge all of us to experience ridiculous faith in our lives. With heads bowed and eyes closed for just a minute, let me ask you this. How many of you here, you would say, God has been speaking to you this morning. And you would say, I want to have a ridiculous faith. I want to I make sure I'm putting myself in a position of spiritual readiness so that whenever God calls, 
Even though I may not understand fully, I'm going to obey immediately. And I don't want anything to hold me back from fully following God's will and plan for my life. If that's you this morning, now think before you just raise your hand. If that's really your heart's desire, that you want to have ridiculous faith, can I pray for you? Would you slip up your hand all across this auditorium? God bless you. Thank you. Hands everywhere in every section. Father, I pray that you would call us and lead us to a ridiculous faith where we see you take ordinary people and do the extraordinary, just like we're going to see in the life of Elisha. Lord, we pray this not only individually for us as a church, but corporately for us as a church. In the days ahead, Lord, we've seen you do amazing things in the last 10 years to reach people for you and to see disciples made and lives changed. But we believe that the best is yet to come because there's still thousands and thousands in this community that still need to know you, to know your son. And you're going to call us to some ridiculous steps of faith in the days ahead. And I pray that we would individually respond and that Orchard Church would corporately respond and that we would experience your blessings and your goodness and that you would take ordinary people and do extraordinary things. And as continuing an attitude of prayer with heads bowed, eyes closed, let me ask you this. Maybe there's somebody here today and you've never received Jesus as your, your Lord and Savior. The most important step of faith that you'll ever take is the first step where you invite Jesus into your life as your Lord and Savior. That's, that's the ultimate step of faith. And maybe there's been something or some things that are holding you back from doing what you know God is calling you to do. To just let go of your pride, let go of doing things your way and say, I want Jesus in my life. I need his love. I need his grace. I need his mercy. I need and want his forgiveness. And I want to know Jesus. And what God is calling some of you to today is a step of faith to invite Jesus into your life as Lord and Savior. It's a step that many people around you have made. But God is calling some of you to make that step today. If that's you today, I want to lead you in a prayer of faith. A prayer that you can pray right where you sit from your heart to God's. And you can take the most important step of faith you'll ever take. This isn't a magic prayer. These aren't magic words. But if you put faith and belief behind it, Jesus will come into your life today. He'll forgive you of your sins. He'll give you eternal life. And you'll begin a ridiculous journey with the Son of God. If that's you today, would you pray this prayer with me from your heart to God's? It goes like this. Jesus, I believe that you're calling me today to take a step of faith, to invite you into my life as my Lord and my Savior. Jesus, I accept you by faith today. Forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. And from this day forward, I want to grow to love you and follow you the rest of the days of my life. I don't understand fully, but I am going to obey immediately today to your call of salvation in my life. Thank you, Jesus, for calling me. With heads bowed and eyes closed, as we continue prayer for a moment. I don't want to embarrass anybody. Nobody looking around but me for a second. I would love the privilege and honor to pray for those of you who just prayed that prayer of faith for the first time to invite Jesus into your life. Would you just slip up your hand so I can see you and I can pray for you? God bless you. Anyone else? Just put it up and put it down. Yes, I prayed that prayer of faith. I accepted Christ into my life today. I took that step of faith. Anyone else? Thank you. God bless you, young man. Thank you. Teenager, God bless you. Thank you. Anyone else? Yes, thank you. God bless you. I see your hand. Thank you. Anyone else? 
God bless you, ma'am. God bless you, sir. A couple here together. Thank you. Anyone else? Yeah, I prayed that prayer of faith that I meant to. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you. We rejoice in those putting their faith and trust in you today for the first time. May we never get used to that. To the fact that a party has broken out in heaven right now. Because your, your word says that when even one person takes the step of faith to invite Jesus into their life. That there's rejoicing and celebration that breaks out among the angels in heaven. And may it not just be in heaven. May it be here in earth, here at Orchard Church. As people are turning from darkness to light and from death to life. As they've taken these steps of faith. Help us all to respond to your ridiculous call of faith in all of our lives. We pray this all. In Jesus' name, amen. Can somebody help me celebrate God's goodness this morning? Amen. Amen. If you made a decision for Christ, you raised your hand and you said, yes, I accepted Christ, uh, please let us know about that. We want to just continue to pray for you and minister to you. Uh, just fill out your connection card there and, and check the box that you accepted Christ. Drop in the offering bucket when it goes by so we can continue to pray for you and help you in your walk with, with Jesus. If you're a first-time guest here at Orchard Church this morning, thanks so much for being our first-time guest. Um, hopefully you filled out your guest connection card in your newsletter. You can drop that in the offering bucket when it goes by in just a moment. We're not interested in your money today, guest. I mean that sincerely, but we're definitely interested in you. So let us know that you're here. We'll send you a thank you note and a free gift in the mail. Hope you guys enjoyed the first week of Elisha, a tale of ridiculous faith. Um, you don't want to miss the next three weeks. It's going to be, I'm so excited about this series and what God's going to do individually and corporately through this series here at Orchard Church. So let's stand as we close in a response of worship through song, worship through giving and generosity. God bless you guys.